0: If I was starting out again with zero money and know what I know, the first thing I would do is I would learn how to property manage or manage people really is what you're doing. I would worked hard to get proficient at that and I would um, do master leasing and you can do it with no money absolutely no money, control the property, and create a cash flow with very little risk. That'd be one thing I would do. If I were starting out fresh again with no money, and, and I didn't even know anything about it back in those days.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the CarrotCast podcast. I'm your host, Brady Winder. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Leon Johnson, who has been investing for over 47 years and is going to share some uh, golden nuggets, some really good wisdom on creative finance. Uh, For context, Leon Johnson is becoming one of the most popular guys in the real estate investing circuit. He's got a podcast with Steve Trang on real estate disruptors that it's hit over 60,000 views. So congratulations for that. Um, but our goal with this episode, as Leon was just telling me before we started recording, was to help you as an investor not leave so much money on the table. Um, so Leon, welcome to the podcast. You mind if I start by asking you a personal question, Leon? You can ask me anything you want to. I like that. How much money have you made from real estate over the past 40 odd years?
0: Oh, my gosh. I never stopped to think about that. (laughs) Could not tell you. Could not tell you. It's just been a lot of fun.
1: Oh, that's awesome. As long as you're having fun, time keeps going. Yeah. Um, Well, let's start, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into real estate, why why you're still waking up to do this every day. And especially considering you didn't stop to think about the money, because that's the one thing most people are always stopping to think about. I think that's funny. Um, but yeah, what's your backstory? And then we'll get into some, uh, creative finance strategies here.
0: Well, I'll try to make this quick because, uh, it, it's a long story, 47 years. But when I was in the military, I had a lot of, uh, spare time, um, uh, I targeted nuclear missiles and, uh, had a lot of time to read and, uh, uh, you know, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do when I quit targeting missiles. And so. Uh, I read a lot of real estate textbooks. And I decided I wanted to get a real estate license. And I went visiting some local uh, realtor's offices near the base. And and, uh, one of those guys was real interested. And he said, uh, started asking me questions. And I was surprised myself that I knew everything he was asking, you know, technical questions, because I'd read these books. And And uh, he said, well, I think you should get your broker's license. And I did. Uh, 1975, I got my real estate broker's license while I was still in the military. Played realtor for a couple of years. And I had some opportunities that just slapped me in the face about four or five times to wake me up to what was in front of me. And once I took advantage of some of those, it didn't take me long not to be uh, in real, real estate realtor sales. And um that end of the ball game and just went straight investments and been doing it ever since
1: four or five times what were those what were those opportunities that so kindly slapped you in the face
0: (laughs) well it was it was it was one deal and it was uh, a guy that worked at the service station across the street from the real estate office that i was managing and on the other corner there was a little bar. And as a realtor working really hard or a manager, sometimes you don't have time to eat. So I would run over to the bar and get a hot dog for lunch. And the guy who had changed my oil was over there. And he said, look, I need to sell my house. And I said, well, uh, when do you want me to come by? He said, Saturday. So I go by there and I do my typical realtor thing and did a market analysis and told him what the house should sell for, which at that time. $55,000 55000 is what I told him is a four-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, uh, full basement, and a very nice subdivision house. And um, he said, well, no, I need to sell it fast. And I said, well, we can lower the price to 49000 He said, no, I need, to, I need to sell it real fast. Why don't you buy it? And I said, well, how much you want for it? He said, well, I'll take what I paid for it three years before. And I said, "What's that?" and he said twenty one thousand nine hundred dollars." And so he goes back and he brings a letter that he's been foreclosed on and uh, make a long story short, I put up three thousand dollars and bought that house subject to. This was in nineteen seventy seven I think uh bought the house subject to, and that's where I brought Adam's older brother, my first child home to. I moved into that house. Hmm. And uh, it, he had a five thousand dollars IRS lien, which I had to get off. I paid five hundred dollars and got him to release the lien, paid the ex-wife eight hundred dollars, uh, cleared up a couple of other little title problems. And when the smoke cleared, I thought, that gum, you know I just picked up like twenty five thousand dollars in equity in this thing. Um, my payment's only a couple hundred dollars a month. How can I do a repeat of this? So I found mm-hmm. out all about trustee sales, and I started hitting every trustee sale there was in that whole county. And we bought a lot of houses uh, subject to back in those days, long, long before it was as, was as popular as it is today.
1: Oh, absolutely. That' would, There's no better way to get your family started than that, sounds like, walking in with that equity. Um. So... so- for people not as familiar with creative finance and subject to specifically, well, I want to get into the details and kind of talk about how you how you structure some of these. But first, who would you say creative finance is, is best suited for and when? Is it any old investor?
0: Absolutely everybody that has anything to do with real estate, whether it's a seller, buyer, real estate agent, flippers, Rehabbers, uh, it works in all those cases. Commercial real estate, mobile home parts, mobile homes, it, there's just no end to um, what you can do with it.
1: Hmm. And at any point in the journey, it seems like there's no, it doesn't matter whether you're starting out or whether you've been doing it for a long time. There's no reason. why not.
0: Right. Oh, no, no. Starting out, especially, you know, there's so many things you can do starting out. If if I was starting out again with zero money and know what I know, the first thing I would do is I would learn how to property manage or manage people really is what you're doing. Mm. And and I worked hard to get proficient at that. And I would um, do master leasing. And you can do it with no money absolutely no money, control the property, and create a cash flow with very little risk. I would do that. That'd be one thing I would do. If I were starting out fresh again uh, with no money, and, and I didn't even know anything about it back in those days.
1: You've already piqued my interest and changed my questions. So I'm going to do away with my script. Tell me about master leasing.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, basically it's a sandwich lease and it's been done in commercial real estate for years, but you can do it with single family houses. You can do it with apartment complexes, commercial buildings or whatever. And what it really boils down to is you um, uh, agree to lease a property minimum, say five years or, or longer, even 10 years from an owner, you turn around and lease it out to the end user and get a spread and you keep the spread. Mm -hmm. And that can be done on two bases. Number one, it can be on what I call a performance basis. And let's look at a a typical property management company uh, and you would go to them with your house and you would want them to manage that property for you odds are what they're gonna do is they're gonna charge you a 10% fee each month and it comes off what they collect and rent. And if they don't have it rented one month, they don't collect a fee, okay? With master leasing, you can do basically the same thing on a performance basis and you only pay them on your lease to them when you collect on your lease that you've leased out. And you might keep 10% or more as a spread to make your money off the deal. And a and big exciting thing is, if you are a realtor and, and in property management, you make a hundred grand management fees, you're gonna pay $15,300 in FICA taxes on that. Mm-hmm. But if you made that same hundred thousand, uh, and income taxes, of course, but if you do it as rents and you're collecting rent as your spread, then you don't have FICA tax on that so you'd save fifteen thousand dollars a year master leasing as opposed to being a realtor in property management
1: interesting wow that's a lot of that's a lot of savings i never thought about it like that do you have any go-to i mean maybe subject to do you have any go-to creative finance strategies or ones you like to pull most often
0: well a uh, long ago, when I first started out, I'd go to uh, a lot of seminars. One of the first ones I went to was Jack Miller and John Schaub, making it big on little deals in 1978 in Kansas City. It changed my whole life. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them or not. But John Schaub has a, a book that's been a bestseller for 20 or 30 years on Amazon. Uh, it's called Building Wealth One House at a Time. Great book. But anyway. I learned a lot of techniques and I became technique driven. And so what I would do, I'd take a technique and try to go find a place to fit it in. And that's doing it totally backwards than the way you should do it. Hmm. Um, You should get a bunch of tools in your tool belt and then go assess the problem and decide which tool you pull out. Don't be technique driven. But there's just a lot of things you can do you know, using other properties as collateral. Uh, just to give you a quick for instance, uh, that house that I told you about that I ended up with, I ended up renting that house and keeping it for several years, and it's worth close to three hundred thousand dollars now. and I bought it for twenty one nine. But there was one thing that I did that I regret somewhere along the way I sold that house. And that's some of huh. the biggest regrets I have is selling. Properties and not keeping more of what I sold back in a day. Mm. Um, so let me tell you what I did. I had that and other houses that that I'd bought, and uh, I found this new technique called carrybacks. And really, what it is is substitution of collateral. So there was another well, I couldn't wait to um, use this technique, and I found this house. The lady had inherited it. She wanted twenty-two thousand. She wanted for the house. And I talked her into financing with 3,000 down, owner finance, which Mm -hmm. you never say those words, seller finance, owner finance, creative finance to a seller. You never ever use them. They're dirty words. Don't use them. Okay. So um, what I did is I went to this lady and I said, look, I'll give you your 3,000 down, but instead of using your house as collateral, I'd like to use a couple other houses that I have as collateral. And I put her in a car, drove around, showed her the houses. And we put $9,500 second mortgages on two houses, $9,500 each for her $19,000. So she was secured in a second position on two houses. And it left the one I was buying free and clear. Hmm. And I went to the bank and borrowed $20,000 on that house, gave her $3,000 out of it. For the down payment, and I went home with another house and seventeen cash to go buy other houses with, and I bought a several other houses uh, subject to with that seventeen five.
1: And just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat.
0: Just renting them out, and and the rents from those first and seconds on those two houses paid the notes.
1: Wow! So those two other houses that you used for collateral uh, were those ones that you owned outright.
0: Uh, no, they were I had a first mortgage on them, and, and so what for 9500 was the second on there. That's right. But the rents were good enough to make payments on both those loans, on both of them.
1: Wow. So I didn't,
0: I didn't have any negative cash flow.
1: Interesting. Okay. That's creative there. So you had mentioned uh, your one regret was selling that property and not holding on to more. A lot of our listeners are wholesaling as their exit strategy. Um, Talk to me about, you know, how creative finance and subject to some of these strategies um, play a role in the future. We don't know where the economy is headed. I guess what advice would you give to people that are wholesaling right now? How, do they, uh, how might they need to pivot?
0: Well, uh, they don't necessarily need to pivot. Keep doing the same thing they're doing. Get Carrot to help you find all those properties. But when you go out there, don't go with just one, with a hammer to try to solve every problem, which is buying at 60 cents on the dollar. A lot of people focus on price and I will pay full, their full value asking price plus sometimes if I get the right terms. Flipping and wholesaling is a business, okay? It's a business and you're buying inventory and selling inventory is what you're doing and that's subject to FICA taps okay and once you sell that you've killed the chicken there's no more income going to come from that property and yeah you might make a quick lump sum and and you might make a really high income but what you have is a J-O-B and you might be the B-O-S-S you know (laughs) but um you know if things go south like it might here in the future it might be hard to have an in-buyer for those properties, and things could, could slow way up. But assuming it doesn't, when you're at that kitchen table and buying that house, and they will not sell it for a, a, a wholesale price, you should go for wholesale terms. And that's long terms. In, in the recent past, we bought four houses from folks that are over 70 uh, and got 30-year terms, no balloons at like 3% and 1.5% interest. Holy cow. So hmm. while you're in, you know, when they when they leave that kitchen table and those folks won't take that low wholesale price cash offer, they might be willing to take a higher price and get you good terms that you can keep that house and pass it down to your kids. And that's how you build real wealth is by holding that property, not turn around
1: selling it. I, I've got so many questions for you. My mind's just ping, ping, ping.
0: By the oh, way, I didn't think this uh, would last just 30 minutes.
1: <laughs> oh no, it never, it never does. <laughs> you mentioned people management earlier in our conversation, mm-hmm. people management. Why, like, what's the story behind that? I understand you've had multiple business over the years outside of real estate insurance agencies, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, What does people management have to do with creative finance?
0: Well, I'm a buy and hold kind of guy. And we've done wholesaling. We've built new bills. um, We've done all that stuff, you know, in all kinds of areas. But I am a buy and hold kind of guy. I like that mailbox money every month. And so you got to be a good property manager. And it's not that hard to do people people get afraid of oh, I never do that. you know, tenants tear your property up. yeah, some of them will do I screw up every now and then? I screw up, I get a bad one, you know, and lose two or three months rent trying to get the fleas and the roaches out and you know uh, the urine smell and on and on and on. Yeah, we yeah. screw up every now and then. but for the most part, we've got my longest tenant was twenty three years. Oh wow, my longest right now is about fifteen or sixteen years. Um, And we've got a whole bunch, four, five, six, seven years. And so you're dealing with people and and they're your most valuable asset. Your tenants are not the sticks, bricks and dirt. So if you Mm. treat them right, learn how to manage them, put some systems in place so that you can get a great long term tenant. That's how you build wealth. You know, you never buy anything your tenants can't afford
1: yeah okay. it, it's kind of funny it's like you bring up you bring up um <clears throat> excuse me you bring up property management and that probably you know brings ptsd for some people oh i've been oh, down that road i don't want to do it yeah
0: but it's but, really simple and it's a and it's also a um currency it's a currency and if you know how to do it you could do um you could do uh master leasing right you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and to find these properties, you know, some will, some won't, so what? So uh using carrot uh to prospect and find those those um sellers when you're in that kitchen door, don't walk away when you can get a good long term uh financing on that thing.
1: Yeah, well, I, I like what you had said about um you know, I feel like when most people are thinking of property management thinking of being a landlord, your focus is how do I protect what I have? It's like, how do I have the right legal things in place? And how do I have the right systems and employees in place to protect my assets? But your approach from it is is almost the total opposite. It's like, I have a human being. I have a person in this property. How can I serve them really well? And it sounds to me like, I mean, the proof is in what you're telling me is that you have these long long-term tenants is that that takes care of a lot of the other problems. I mean, yeah, have your ducks in a row, have your insurance. You're going to have some bad ones over the years, but I like that approach.
0: Yeah. And you know, there, let's flip the Coleman. Let's say you don't want to have anything to do with property management. Let me tell you what, there is an army across this country of people who know how to do master leasing. (laughs) So you could master lease it to someone else and let them do it. Yeah. I have a, a friend and a mentor, if it's more than 12 miles from his house, he master leases it to someone. Hmm. And nobody knows how to manage better than him. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, you know, there's always a way to work through these things.
1: So so Leon, walk me through this, you know, you had mentioned if, if you can't get the wholesale price, if you can't get the wholesale price, then um, you're looking at terms, you're looking at other options. Walk me through this when you're sitting down at the kitchen table with a seller and you just, you can't get the price you want. How do you even start just, what's that conversation look like? You said, uh, you told me the no-no words. We can't <laughs> say creative finance.
0: Right. If if you call somebody on the phone say, hey, would you to finance that? No, click. You're just not going to get it. But, you know, you sit down and show them the benefits of it. Now, let me give you a, for instance, there was a house that, um, Adam had mailed a letter to this lady and, um, she had inherited her mom's house and this lady had been licensed as an attorney in three States. She's not a dummy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Adam goes to her house. He walks there. It's a big old two-story house, and um, it's free and clear, had hardwood floor about an inch thick, but there was a problem. In one room, the the ceiling was falling in, and uh, the hardwood floor had peeled up and back and um, a lot of other problems with the house, and... uh, we figured about eighteen twenty thousand dollars of work to be done on the house, and of course Mississippi house prices are a lot less than they are in other parts of the country. But you just add a zero to this or whatever. But um, he offered her sixty thousand dollars. We figured the house was worth one twenty five, one thirty, something like that, and she would not take a penny less than a hundred thousand. She just was not going to do it. She would lose it before she would do that, and. She did not have the money to fix it up. And there was one other thing. She was about a month and a half away from losing the property for not paying the taxes three years back. She hadn't Mm. paid property taxes for three years. She was about to lose it. So finally, Adam said, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll give you $100,000 for your house. And here's how we'll do it. We're going to give you $10,000 down. And he knew what she wanted to do. We found out all that. And uh, he he said, we'll pay you $500 a month for 180 payments. And if you add that up, that's $90,000 and there's no interest on that. And she said, okay, I'll do that. Hmm. So that's what we did. And and, uh, we got one, two, three more bites out of that apple. Hmm. A year later, she was in trouble, called me up. Well, I found out she was needed money. I called her up and I said, Look, I've got an extra five thousand dollars. I'll pay you a year in advance for a five thousand dollars. She said, Oh, you don't know how that would help me right now. Mm. So if you calculate that, that's a ten for twelve, is what that's called. And that's about a 35% return on my five thousand dollars. Mm. <laughs> so uh a few weeks later. She said, you don't happen to have a mobile home or something I can move into. I'm living with my friends. So I just happened to have just bought this older mobile home. And I had like, so $10,000 in it. And um, I said, you know, how are you gonna buy it from me? And she said, well, I do have a couple thousand dollar a month income. And she had all these dogs. And this was out on some land. and.'" Um, I said, look, I'll give you the title to that mobile home next 36 months of payments. So that's $18,000. She said, yeah, I'll do that. And um, so, but now she's got to pay me $200 a month in rent for the lot rent. Mm. And it's going to be like 46 months before I start paying her $5,000 a month again. Right and the loan, loan balance was uh uh fifty nine thousand, and she was scared I was going to sell the land out from under her, so I traded the land I'm making this real short, a lot of other details. <laughs> I traded her the land, which Adam and I had about twelve thousand in it for the payoff on that fifty nine thousand dollar loan. Holy cow. But it wasn't a fifty-nine thousand payoff. You understand when somebody, um, they she she had an emotional attachment to the house, but she didn't have an emotional attachment to that five hundred a month. And um, the other side of the coin was she was going to have to start paying me two hundred a month. Hmm. But the piece of land had another mobile home on it that was bringing two hundred dollars a month. So when I traded her the land. It increased her cash flow by 4000 I mean, $400 a month. She didn't have to pay me. She's collecting the $200. And, um, and I gave her an extra $8,000 uh, cash in that deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and she gave me back the note of $59,000, canceled it out. Yeah. So I had a free and clear house in yeah. a couple of years after that particular deal.
1: That's amazing. Holy cow.
0: And we put Mm. like 20,000 in the house. And when the smoke cleared, we had about 62 in it. So we came out way better than we would have had we paid her 60 cash and put Mm. 20,000 fix up.
1: Do, do a lot of the deals go like this. What I mean is like, are when you bring up a creative financing without saying creative financing, when you're, when you're introducing Mm -hmm. terms to people, Mm -hmm. are they usually receptive to it?
0: Mm, Not at first. Um, Mm you have to sit down and talk to them and there's a you write this down irs publication 537 print it out and read it it's about a 20 page irs publication that has to do with installment sales Hmm. and that's the word you use and i usually print out a copy and bring it to them especially if they're an investor that's ready to get out show them Hmm. how they can save money on taxes and. you know, get an income better than they would otherwise. So many times it's way better for them to do an installment sale than it is to take all cash. And we could get into that. That'd take another 30, 40 minutes, (laughs) but uh, maybe another podcast, but see your guys that are doing all the wholesaling stuff, why not take advantage of these opportunities and have that as another tool in the toolbox to do simple owner financing?
1: Speaking to someone that's like, okay, I finally need to do this. I need to try, try this creative finance thing. What's a realistic time frame? How long would it take them to learn how to do this and or how to do it confidently?
0: <laughs> oh, you're talking about the investor?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, the investor. Um,
0: well, they can see me in Las Vegas in November at uh, Gary Johnston's uh, deal. Yeah. I'm speaking on it for three days. And there's a, uh, John Shaw, the guy who wrote the book that I'm telling you about. It's one of the speakers. Steve oh, Fortunato yeah. is going to be there, and uh, Gary Johnson and John Hire the Third, who's probably one of the best tax attorneys in the in the country.
1: Mm, it, that's We're
0: awesome. all speaking speak three days, so we
1: make, we'll make sure to put a link to it in the show notes here and on the blog post. That's awesome. Okay,
0: all right, that's good cool. deal. But um, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, another thing: get this book and read it.
1: What is that debt? what's this Inve- name?
0: invest in debt
1: invest in debt okay jimmy napier
0: you can get it for 20 bucks at gary <laughs> amazon it might be 80 bucks
1: and is that that's creative finance subject to specifically
0: it's it's about notes and you can learn the math of the notes mm-hmm. the first time i read that book years ago i got halfway through it made a phone call made fourteen thousand dollars
1: <laughs> that pays for itself
0: yeah i i had bought uh this another thing i bought with creative financing was h and r block franchises we bought several of those using hmm. creative finance owner finance and in this particular case i was making annual payments of like 13 dollars dollars on this one office we would bought and uh it's off season i'm sitting there reading this book and and um it made me think of something. I'm making these payments. Well, I'd made the annual payment like two months before, three months before, something like that. And the balance on my note was uh, $42,000. And it had accrued like 2000 in interest by the time I called this lady. And I called her up and I said, look, I don't know if it'll help you or not, but I've got an extra $30,000 that If you'll take it as a payoff, I can get you a cashier's check. She said, well, let me talk to my husband. I'll call you back. She called me back in about an hour and said, we'll do it. Hmm. So so I bought back that note at a $14,000 discount.
1: So we're almost out of of time here. We could just, man, we could just talk all day. Um, I can stay
0: as long as you want. I'm good today.
1: Well, a couple more questions and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. Leon is, um, any other, any other methods we talked about, you know, master leasing, we talked about carrybacks, any other methods that you like to go to or creative strategies that people would probably like to hear about?
0: Sure. Lease, lease with options are straight options. Options mm-hmm. are super powerful and, uh, you can do them with a lease or not with the lease and it, you can structure those to where, um, You gain, you can structure an option so that you can be the beneficiary of any mortgage pay down, any Hmm. amortization, and appreciation, both. You can do that with an option. Hmm. And, um, uh, but options, uh, lease with options, is almost, if you structure it correctly, is is just as good as as, uh, seller financing. But seller financing is so flexible. you can do so many things with it. I mean, it's good for realtors. it's good for buyers. It's good for sellers. Uh, a rehabber, uh, you know, a flipper can buy a property and buy it subject to or and get the seller to hold the note until you get it sold hmm. and not have to come up with their equity right at the moment. I mean, there's just so many ways to do it. gosh, yeah, and the key is, you know, realtors sell sticks, bricks, and dirt, the house, the dirt, all those kind of things. And they rarely find out about the people. And if you spend more time finding out what the people's situation is and what you can truly do to help them, you have to care when you go in there. You have to care enough to ask. And when you ask and find their situation and their motivation and what it is that they want, you'll find out that the relief of distress carries rewards greater than price. And, uh, you can help people solve problems, give them freedom and peace and, uh, uh, end up with a lot more properties that you can hold long-term that you can build wealth with.
1: Mm. you have to care enough to ask. I love that. I love that. Um, last question for you. I'm curious um, if you have already shared it and that's fine too. What's, what's the best deal you ever done?
0: Oh my gosh um probably one i did for someone else that i didn't even uh participate in oh yeah yeah Uh, i had a uh i have a cousin who's alcoholic drug got on drugs off and on almost homeless and uh he had found this house that was vacant and in mississippi we have 16 section properties and uh, this particular one, the folks had refinanced, it pulled out like one hundred and twenty or thirty thousand dollars, and then um, moved out, didn't fix it up, didn't make any payments or anything. The uh, mortgage company was in bankruptcy, okay, oh, and, and this property is on 16th section in Mississippi. Every 16th section is set aside, and the and the schools own, own the 16th section in every township. Mm-hmm. And um, all you have to do is pay them a little annual rent, like 250 dollars for a lot, and pay the property taxes on it. So I got him into this house, and he lived there about twenty years, paying about five or six hundred dollars a year. Um, or property taxes and leases on that property. And I never got a penny, never got a penny out of it. Yeah. (laughs) So that's one of the best, I guess you could say, but, um, gosh, there's just been so many, you know, Uh um, just, uh, a, a little deal, a little tiny deal that I just did about three years ago. Um, it's a little town that, um, about 90 percent of the people in that town's on welfare, a little southern Mississippi town. And one of uh, our associates called me one day and he said, hey, Mr. Leon, I've got a house in this little town that uh, he said that. Oh. Uh, uh, you might be interested. I said, nah, probably not interested in that town. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, you might get owner financing. I said, oh, well, when can we meet? <laughs> so, in about yeah. 45 minutes, I was there. And an hour later, we had written a contract, nothing down, uh, 300 a month. I think it was 165 payments on this little house, 3% interest, and um, nothing down. And and I paid him a couple thousand for his wholesale fee, and so um, this guy just wanted to move back to Texas. And it was across a from a park, good area, nothing wrong with it. I turned around and sold that house for fifty four nine five thousand dollars down, and never even had it cleaned or anything. Okay,
1: what? Well, sorry, I want to ask, why is the wholesaler not doing creative finance? Why why is he? Not doing it. I mean, it's a few hundred bucks.
0: He's starting to since then.
1: Okay. Uh, That that works. I can accept that. That And and, and it was
0: just this level of understanding at that point, you know, new wholesaler. And um, anyway, uh, Adam and those guys tend to call me when they get a lead from you guys that says, hey, it's a possible owner finance. They just have a habit of calling me. So yeah. anyway, I sold this thing, $5,000 uh, $5, down, $500 a month for 180 payments. All right. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, I picked up $3,000, have no money in the deal, and I'm picking up $200 a month. Except I offered a guy to pay him a year in advance for a 15% discount on those annual payments. And I've been doing it every year. And as a matter of fact, it's coming up in September. I got to call him today. And ask him if he wants to do it again. <laughs> so I'm gonna pay him a year in advance for. So my cash flow was even higher. Well, the guy yeah. we sold it to, his wife died, and he just gave up, quit making payments, and I had to foreclose. So I foreclosed, got the house back, and now it's rented for two thousand a month on a corporate uh, rental, and it has yeah. been since January, and, and probably will be through next January. Two grand a month.
1: Hmm. That's amazing. You make, it sound, you make it sound too easy, Leon. You make it sound easy. <laughs> it's just
0: solving but, people's problems, making them happy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems and, like for the benefit, for the reward, it's, it, like, it's like, why would you not want to learn this and have another tool in your tool belt? Like you said.
0: They're crazy not to. They're crazy. Yeah.
1: Seriously. So anyway. Okay. Well, um, I know I said last question, but I got one more. This is the last question for real this time. Um, so Leon, you are the father of Adam Johnson. Some of y'all listening and watching, you've seen Adam on the podcast a few times. Been a carrot member for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met Adam, Trevor, and I met him at uh, at an event a few years back, and I remember this guy in the middle of the room stands up in a cowboy hat. Someone's talking about carrot. Trevor's up there speaking, and he says. I've never met him. And he says, I had carrot before I had internet at my house. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Go to the library, work on his carrot site. And I'm like, I got to meet the this guy. And he's awesome. <laughs> I just love sharing that story. Anyways, met him a few years <laughs> back and uh, I've had him on a few podcasts. Um, I want to ask you, how's it been? Um, Working with, uh, working alongside your son and bringing him up in real estate. Because family businesses can be hard. It could be hard to put stressors working in the family. What the, what's that been like for you? Because we've got a lot I of mean, listeners with kids that want to do what you're doing. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, it, it would be great. Absolutely. It's, it's great. Uh, the kids have to have a desire, you can't just push it on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both my sons, Adam has an older brother, Chris Johnson, who happens to be a Mississippi state senator real estate hmm. investor and he owns a whole ton of H and R block franchises. Hmm. But, um, uh, I brought them both up in the business and heck, uh, I don't know. Adam could tell you when, um, but years ago, we did a bunch of wholesaling when they were kids. <laughs> uh, and, um, uh, Back before anybody knew what wholesaling was, we were doing wholesaling we'd go We'd go to the courthouse steps and buy a house you know fifty cents on the dollar and an hour later have it sold for nine or ten thousand dollars and I'd split it with them and they loved it, you know yeah. kids love that cash and yeah. uh we did a lot of that and um you know it's but I started them out um Cutting bushes around the houses and pulling bushes and painting and uh, cleaning and doing all those kind of things. They did all that. Uh, When Christopher graduated college, uh, he knew I bought a lot of houses uh, through the years at foreclosure sales and pre-foreclosure. And um, he uh, had just gotten his uh, master's and he was uh, wanting to get married. He needed to make some money. And he said, "Hey, Dad, I found this uh, trustee sale in the paper. Will you call on it for me?" So we called on that deal, and uh, ended up uh, going and buying it. He, I got out there with him. We cleaned junk out of the yard. The house was immaculate, but just kind of cleaned up the yard. Sold it and netted forty-four thousand dollars. And he got twenty-two. I got twenty-two. And he used that to buy a ring to uh <laughs> um, proposed to his wife now
1: you it's know a good, it's a ring that'll do it and,
0: and my grandkids <laughs> have notes and uh properties that they rent mm. and they're 17 and uh 14.
1: Mm. that's awesome so, that's got to feel uh, and, good
0: and they're learning about this sort of thing
1: yep I love that. Yeah. I got to get that book, invest in debt. We'll put that link in the show notes. Well, shoot. I appreciate you coming on. This has been a lot of fun. We could do this all day. A quick recap and feel free to plug anything in if I miss it. But what I got out of this conversation is you have to care uh, enough to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. care about the person enough to ask the right questions, be in the business of people management, not property management. It'll probably make property management a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I loved how you frame those conversations. How you come prepared with your IRS documents and being educated enough to be confident in those conversations. Um, and you're not men- mentioning the no, no words. You're not saying creative finance and um, you're just breaking it down real simply for people and explaining the the benefits that's in it for them. is so the tax savings. Mm-hmm. And lastly, if y'all listen to this whole podcast episode and are not, you know checking out these books and going to learn about more creative finance i don't know what to tell you but put the tool in your tool belt um especially with not knowing where the market's headed but have have more strategies in your pocket so that's all i got leon um any last words any parting words for people listening
0: mm, you you did a great recap there <laughs> uh, you know, always be learning. I still study. I still try to learn new things and, and uh, new ways of doing things. Just mm. always be a student of what you're doing. And there's a lot of really good uh, uh, conferences out there that don't upsell you. That's four or five, six hundred bucks that you can get a wealth of information from.
1: mm absolutely Whole bunch of... never stop learning well shoot hope we get to meet you in person someday leon you thank bet. you again yeah you my you. pleasure thank you for coming on the podcast and everybody listening watching have a great week oh if you have any questions for leon or myself uh email them to me uh brady at carrot.com anything we missed or you'd like to hear covered in the future just email me brady at carrot.com and we'll talk about it in the next podcast that being said have a Great week, y'all. We'll see you later.